Back on our podcast, Dale Carter along with Kurt Wheeler and the Supreme Court weighs in on vax mandates. And I have a question today. What would Martin Luther King think about today's Democrats? We'll talk about that and the news of the day on Dale Carter's America, the podcast. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, as we get into the uh, news of the day, Kurt has joined the ranks of the married. I have, yes. How'd it go? It went great, man. Yeah. It was uh it was a lot of fun. We had we had friends and family in from out of town and yeah. it was, you know, as I'm sure you can attest to, it's it's all just a, a flurry of activity. It goes by so fast, you know. It was a it was a busy weekend. Um your first time. Yep. And we did, you know, we uh we hung out with a lot of people, did a lot of partying and stuff like that, and it just it went by quick and and here we are on the other side. By the third time, you'll just do it in your living room with a couple of witnesses and, and a minister you've never met before, which is how Jennifer and I did it. Um, I, I did the big wedding twice, big Catholic wedding the first time, and it was a big Baptist wedding, which is kind of a big Catholic wedding without alcohol. Oh, that that that's a bummer. Yeah, no, the Catholics, you know, they love to drink. So, oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but the Baptists, eh, not so much. Well, sorry to announce to all the ladies out there, you know, that we're both now officially taken. So. Well, you know what I said to you in in the break room this morning is she is a beautiful woman. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. And I don't know what she sees in you. Yeah, <laughs> we're still figuring that out, I guess. Right. But it's too late now. So, <laughs> kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have a plan set up for that, or um. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We, we definitely want kids, though. Three to okay. five. Well, again, the difference between the first and the third. When you have the first one, you, you and parents out there who listen to the podcast will relate to this. When you have your first child, you follow all the instructions. You boil everything. They drop the pacifier in the on the floor in the mall. Um, you don't ever let it touch their mouth. You boil it in water and yada, yada, yada. So by the third or fourth kid, um, they drop the pacifier in the mall. You just pick it up, rub it on your pants, and stick it back in their mouth. So it's 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 the difference in how right. you, know, you follow the rules at first, and then you, you move on. So Kurt joins the ranks of the married. We're both married. Sorry, ladies. You'll have to find other. Uh... Yeah, find another podcast. <laughs> That would be an interesting podcast, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're, of course, talking about politics and stuff like that, but we also want to mention that uh, Betty White would have been 100 yesterday. Did you Google Betty White yesterday? No, I saw you post about it, but I never did it. Very cool graphic. So you, you uh, Google Betty White, and it brings up the stories about her. She would have turned 100, yada, yada, yada. But then there's an overlay um, of this really cool logo that says, thanks for being a friend. Mm. And it has her birth and, and death dates on it. And then there are like roses flowing everywhere. Oh, like just, on Google. Yeah. I thought they handled that really well. Hmm. Hmm. So the Senate is debating federal voting rights bills today with no hope of passage. It's not going to pass. I mean, yeah. it might pass, but, um, it's not going to pass. And we'll get into all that a little bit later on. Um, but that's the drama that's going on on Capitol Hill as we do this podcast, and it's a big part of what we're going to be talking about today. North Korea, meanwhile, continues to launch missiles into the China Sea. I mean, he must have a lot of money over there. He can't feed his people, but he can make these missiles that basically squirt off into the water. Yeah, well, they're using all their money to you know try and scare the rest of the world. That's their only hope of 
having any relevancy at all is is as a uh, scary military power because they can't do anything diplomatically. They have no real uh, strength in their economy, obviously, or anything like that. So Sounds like today's Democrat Party in the United States. <laughs> Scare tactics are really yeah. the only thing that they have. And again, we're going to get into that in a minute. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, North Korea and their, their missile thing that they're launching. Apparently, there was a threat on the West Coast that one of those missiles could have hit Alaska or the California coast. Did you read about that? No, I didn't. The FAA grounded flights on the West Coast last Tuesday uh, for a short time after the launch because there was some concern that he might actually hit something this time. So that is going to be an issue that we're going to have to deal with at some point. Yeah. You've got that. I mean, it's not just the domestic stuff where Joe Biden is flailing miserably, failing miserably, too. Maybe two words that mean the same thing. Uh, he's at 33% on the approval rating. But the other pots that are on the stove, you've got the Russians massing troops in the Ukraine, and you've got this nut job running North Korea. Yeah. And China's and always China, in the background. Yeah, always. I mean, without uh, China, there would be no, no North Korea. I mean, that's really the answer to, I think, how they're – how they're ha finding the money for all this. You know, I'm sure a lot of it's coming from China. Yeah. So in other words, when you buy something at the local store there that says made in China, you're paying for Kim Jong-un's missile program in North Korea. Yeah, totally. How does that make you feel? Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. You know, everybody is, is trying to find people to work. We, we've talked about this, I don't know how many times, that there are roughly 10.5 million job openings in the country. So why anyone is on unemployment is beyond me. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's no strings attached to it the way it is set up now. Very few strings set up to it. Um, in the old days, I mean, you used to have to prove that you were at least looking for a job, right? Right. To get at least the federal assistance, but that's gone. Uh, so the United States Army is jumping in as well. Uh, they are, in the past, the, the incentive, if you wanted to become a six-year active duty soldier, the uh, incentive was capped at $40,000, which sounds like a lot of money. Yeah. Now they're going up to fifty grand. Mm. Well, <laughs> I mean, hopefully, hopefully... You ever uh, thought about joining the Army? I did at one point, but that was a long time ago, and I'm glad that I didn't, you know, it, it's uh, it's not for me, but... The D, I, I forget if it, it was either the DOD or the DOJ is hiring a uh, chief diversity officer now as well as all the other uh, all the other ones. We, we, we talked about the Marines already, but uh, a lot of these, you know, uh, national defense agencies are, are hiring chief diversity officers. And this one was DOD or DOJ. And it's like 150 to 200 K a year. So Dale, Man. you know, if you're if you're looking for a raise. That's a lot of money. <laughs> well, you know, the highest paid employee in the government these days is Fauci. Oh, yeah. Fauci made uh, over $450,000 last year. Damn. And that's just from his salary. That's not including, you know, whatever he's getting on the side for TV appearances or speeches or um, stock in Pfizer, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of Dr. Fauci, uh, there is good news about Omicron. That's the current variant. Uh, which is surging. Apparently, it's very contagious and all that. It's actually going down on the East Coast. Uh, so it's going east to west in the country. It's kind of like a wildfire east to west. Mm -hmm. um, and the story that we had today is that in Washington, D.C. and uh, Vermont, in both of those places, down 20%. That's a healthy drop. Yeah. And similar numbers in New York City and New Jersey. So as Omicron goes across the nation with most cases that we're hearing about 
very mild symptoms, it might help. Think about it that way. It might help. As people yeah. catch this thing and get immunity built up, and then you've got millions of people, including me, who have taken the vaccines, um, it's got to be a positive toward getting on the other side of this. Yeah, but I mean, again, I don't think it's going to stop the the fear campaign. Oh you know? no! And there there will be another variant sometime in the next couple months, and they'll they'll scare us about that, and people will still be wearing masks and still you know uh, freaking out about it. I don't think that's going away. Kansas Department soon. of Health, by the way, uh, they announced this morning that they are going to end the practice of contact tracing, and they say that is the first step toward uh, moving this thing from pandemic to endemic. Right. Um, which I think is a positive sign as well. The positive signs are coming, but you are absolutely correct. And my prediction on this all along has been that this will be a crisis until after the red wave in the midterms. Yeah. And then it will go away. It will be buried like a cat turd. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I like I said before, I think we've given them this much power. We've given them this much authority. Um, and I don't think they're going to give it up anytime soon. But see, that's the thing. They don't have a lot of power. And we'll get into why as, as we're talking about what's going on on Capitol Hill today. But before we get into that, let's talk about uh, the vax mandates because the Supreme Court took that up. And you know that I'm a guy who believes to my heart, my soul, my core in the Constitution of the United States. I, I think everything in it is there for a reason. And the processes involved there, if you don't like something, there are ways to fix it. It's a very, it's a very flexible and breathable and livable document, um, but it's there. And the things that it sets up, I think, are very important. So I told you all along that with a 6-3 conservative majority, 5-4 uh, hard majority, because Chief Justice Roberts tends to go both ways, if yeah. I can say that. Yeah. Can yeah. I say that? Yeah, you can say yeah. that. Okay. Um, they looked at the VAX mandates first uh, in two different ways, healthcare workers and also companies, private companies employing 100 or more employees. And they split the baby right down the middle. They basically said that, no, the federal government cannot use OSHA, a regulatory agency, to force people to inject something into their body that they don't want to force into their body. Right. But healthcare workers who are going to deal with patients, that mandate held. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it would have been nice, obviously, to see them both overturned, but it, it's such a huge win. And it, it really, I think, um, goes to your point, Dale. You know, you're always talking about the process and, and um, you know, trusting the process. And we have the separation of powers and things like that. And as you just said, you know, really trusting the constitution and you know that I'm cynical about a lot of that, but I, I think that this is a great example of the, the process working and, and, uh, the, the courts, you know, doing the right thing. And it's, it's very encouraging because I think basically at this point, the OSHA mandate is, is pretty much dead. I mean, I don't think that there's going to be any coming back from that, you know, that once the Supreme court has spoken on it, I mean, maybe a lower court would challenge it, but that's not going to accomplish anything. So, yeah. um, yet the president is still encouraging businesses to make their employees get the vaccine as a condition of employment, I guess. Right. Which means if you follow the logic on that, and if you're an employee and you're forced to get the vaccine by your employer and you sue, right. and it goes far enough, you may own that company. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great point. You know, hopefully that there would be more 
um, protection for litigation for people who are suing based on based on the mandate. Because, I mean, I, I guess it, it it just depends on how they define or where they draw the line in terms of where this is actually legitimate. You know, it, it's not legitimate now. We know from the Supreme Court for the federal government to mandate it for employers, but is it legitimate for the state to to mandate it? Is it legitimate for localities to mandate it and is it legitimate for your employer to mandate it well it certainly is if you think about this for state and local municipalities because the court's problem with this was the biden administration tried to do an end run around congress right you know if congress which is made is made up of people who represent all of us right and and especially the house of representatives with two-year terms they are very responsive to us. Right. That's the way it was set up and that's the way it should go. If 435 of a majority of 435 people in Congress who represent the bulk of the country decide um, that something is needed, you know, that's pretty strong. And if you can get 60 votes in the Senate to go along with it, remember that's the the filibuster rule, um, that's pretty strong too. That's when Really strong legislation comes out when you get a majority of the House of Representatives and a supermajority of the Senate, and then it goes to the president to be signed. What we saw here was a complete end run. It's like, let's take this uh, regulatory agency that's there to make sure that guys are wearing hard hats on construction sites and say, (laughs) you've got to have the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be nice if they would apply that logic to, to other things, right? I mean, mm. as we talked about last week, most of our quote-unquote legislation is coming through the departments and agencies now. And then it brings up another another point, too. I think maybe you're right just in terms of the process, you know, that if this went through Congress or if it went through a state or, or a local government, it might have more legitimacy. But then you get to the sort of the, the core question of, okay, yeah, yeah, the process, but there's still a difference between right and wrong. You know, even, even if something is done constitutionally, which I'm not sure if that would be or not, I, I can't really speak to that, but even if something is done constitutionally, it can still be wrong. You know, it can still be the wrong bill. It can still be uh, immoral. So, you know, we would have to address that too, because there's always a possibility that either now or at some point in the future, we would have a, a majority of Congress, both houses of Congress, and a president that would sign off on something, you know, terrible. So just because that's the case doesn't doesn't mean that it should be defended just based on you know purely um, procedural grounds. Yeah. Know? Well, that's where you get to the filibuster rule in the Senate, which protects the minority, whether it's Democrats or Republicans. Right. Because it's very unlikely you're going to get a sixty-vote one-party majority in the United States Senate which yeah. is, again, the brilliance of the Constitution. So if you're protecting the minority rights, you can stop something that is wrong. Right. That's, that's More the way often it's, than not, at yeah, least. That's, yeah, that's the way it's set up. But if you think about this, had they been able to do this, number one, what was 100 employees about? Yeah, that, that was always a question that I yeah. had about it as well. I mean, you know, so what? You got 99 employees. You don't have to put in a vax mandate. Right. And does that give that company benefits over the, the larger companies? And what's the impact on the economy, especially at a time when we still have empty shelves, which you're not supposed to notice? Right. But I do. Every time I go to the store, it's like, my God. I mean, you know, we were looking for, for Fauntleroy, we call him. He's my stepson. Mm-hmm. He's going to be 14 in July. I've called him Little Lord Fauntleroy since I met him, so that's become his nickname. And he likes Kraft macaroni and cheese. Okay, <laughs> well, 
yesterday when we went to the store, the only Kraft macaroni and cheese we could find was the low-cal version. Well, unlike me, he has low body weight, and he needs all the calories he can get. But we took it. We took the last last box right? because it was on an empty shelf. But you're <laughs> right. not supposed to notice that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean... Um... But anyway, my point was, as you affect the economy this way, we're already having trouble finding truck drivers who will move stuff from point A to point B. Yeah. Why do you want to keep banging down the economy? Yeah, I don't know what the where the 100 number came from. You know, I think maybe... They pulled it out of their ass. Let's, yeah, let's they obviously it. pulled it out of their ass. I mean, it has nothing to do with public health or anything like that, but there's got to be some sort of strategy to it, you would imagine. I mean, maybe... It, larger companies, you know, can afford to lose a few people if, if people quit a smaller company. You know, if you have 100 employees and 20 quit, you're in big trouble. And then maybe you're looking at a lawsuit or, or something like that. I don't know. But um, it's totally arbitrary for sure. Well, if this voting rights thing, and I put that in quotes, and we're going to deep dive on that here in a second. Um, if that ever becomes law, that's something else I think is completely unconstitutional and would be overturned. You know, if you look at it on pure ideological bents, if you've got a Republican president, typically you get a conservative justice. And if you have a Democrat president, you typically get a liberal justice. Now, there have been some who have, you know, gone the other way. You know, I think Nixon appointed one or two who became very liberal justices. Mm. Um, But typically it's Republican president, conservative justice, Democrat president, liberal justice. And you saw that at work here. I mean, a liberal justice is somebody who believes in, you know, unicorns and fairy tales, and we can make up anything we want Mm -hmm. because we're the Supreme Court. We can do whatever we want. So, you know, the three really liberal justices on the vaccine mandate saw absolutely no problem in the federal government imposing this. And they also... You know, in the case of uh, Sotomayor specifically, I believe we talked about this a little bit last week, but she, I mean, she just totally made, made up her up, own facts. Yeah, made up her own facts about about the um, the pandemic. So, you know, that's but not trustworthy. Either. The interesting thing was that Kavanaugh, who was appointed by Trump, went along with other justices on enforcing the health care mandate. Right. So it's interesting in that. Politics really shouldn't have anything to do with this, and and we have nine of them, nine really smart jurists there who we hope are behind closed doors deep diving themselves into the law and the Constitution, right? And the effect that the Constitution – because that's what the Supreme Court's there for. It's like, okay, you want to do this. How does it fit with the Constitution? You're right, right. Well, I think, you know, you you, – made the dichotomy of of Republican president, conservative justice, Democrat president, liberal justice. I think that's half accurate, but the more accurate description I think would be Republican president, textualist right. judge and uh, Democrat president activist judge because really the the dichotomy on the court is not between conservative and liberal because it's not like they're instituting new policies. It's really about judicial activism which is more of the liberal bent you know where they're trying to find new things in the constitution or find new things in the law to you know make it uh pass or textualism or originalism where they're saying you know hey listen you know we're not going to interpret this law in order to fit our whim we're not going to interpret it in a in a favorable way to the law we're, we're going to look at the constitution we're going to look at the letter of the law and if it doesn't fit then we're going to not uphold it you know right which is the way it should be. Which I mean, is the way it should be. Yeah. And, and, you know, you brought up Kavanaugh and I think uh, Roberts, obviously, and and maybe others. But, 
this idea that they're going to be perfectly uh, textualist or conservative on on everything, you know, I wouldn't get your hopes up. But I think the big one too is going to be the uh, the abortion case that they're that they're hearing. That's yeah. going to be a big test because you know that every Democrat senator, whenever there's a new justice that is uh, under hearings to be confirmed, you know, they're always asking, "Will you uphold Roe? Will you uphold Roe?" And they they're trying to make them promise, you know, this thing um, that they shouldn't even have to answer but we'll see i mean i think that's going to be an even bigger test than the ocean mandate well you can go back to the early days of this podcast when we basically broke down the constitution for you and the the strongest power of the constitution the reason it's article one the first article of the constitution is congress and that's where the power of this country is supposed to be but but you've made this point that probably starting with fdr is when all these agencies were born, right. and all of a sudden they had all the power, and, and Congress less and less as we've gone forward. But as as we shift, and I heard Eric Schmidt, who's the Attorney General of Missouri, he was on with uh, my friend Chris DeGaul, and he was talking about how we need like a reboot, and we've talked about that, a reboot of our government. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's first of all, we're almost thirty trillion dollars in debt. We really need to do something about that. But we need to reshape the balance of this thing and get the balance back to Congress. Yeah. How do, how, how do we actually do that, though? I mean... Well, you got to get enough Republicans elected, and they've got to act like Republicans. Yeah. Like I said uh, last week Those or are two a couple steps, ago, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we, re- we really do need radical change. The, the only way that that's going to happen is if somebody comes in and just starts cutting departments, you know, yeah. and that's... I mean, that's uh, wishful thinking, but if... I mean, if we have a truly right-wing president that that could happen someday you know and it, it would be uh it would be a shit show well, well you call it radical change i call it okay this is what i've sworn to uphold this document right. the constitution and this is what it says we can do you know joel osteen people make fun of him all the time um Myself preacher included. down in houston yeah i make fun <laughs> of him too a little bit but you know when he's preaching he, he talks about the bible and he says everything is in here it says who i am what i am what i can do and what i can't do right okay well, in terms of what we talk about, the Constitution is our Bible. It says what we can do, and if we don't like it, unlike the Bible, we can amend it. Right. There's a process for doing that. But it's radical change from what we are doing currently. Yeah, but when you say radical change, you know what they're going to say on the other side. You want to kill babies and starve children and they throw old say people out they the want. street. That's what really they're going to say. I don't really care what they yeah. say. They can say whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to, and they already are. In fact, their solution for not getting their way at the Supreme Court is to pack the court. Yeah. It's only fair. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were serious. They had a straight face when they went out in front of the cameras and they said, well, what needs to happen because of this 6-3 imbalance is Joe Biden should get to appoint four justices right now. So this was a new push after the uh, after the recent decision on the no, ocean they, they haven't gone back to that yet. But yeah. you know, in the back of their minds, they think that's the fair thing to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's funny how that kind of died off. You know, it well, was they had a big their big issue. commission, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they came out. I think they wrote a report, and that'll be on somebody's shelf, and that costs us God knows how many millions of dollars. <laughs> right. But, you know, to say what Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a very liberal justice of the Supreme Court, said, she said it very simply nine's the right number. Right. And we played that clip on, uh, you know, a few months ago. So Nine is the right number. Okay, so I, I don't know what Ruth Bader Ginsburg would think about life right now, and I definitely don't know what Martin Luther King would think about life in America in 2022. Uh, I don't think he'd recognize this Democrat Party. I really don't. Um, I went back and I listened to his speech again because it's very inspiring. You think about 
what blacks were going through in the 60s and before. You know, the 60s, everybody talks about was a turbulent time, but that time between um, the end of the Civil War and the 60s, you know, the 1860s, that 100-year period between, let's say, 1865 and 1965, man, I would not want to have been a person of color, definitely not black, in the United States. But the Democrat Party today would have you believe that what's going on now is worse than what was going on then. That's just crazy and does not square with any kind of reality. Well, I mean, it depends on the the way that you look at it. I mean, uh, I hate to be controversial, but in some ways it is worse. I mean, the single parenthood rate has gone up. Crime has gone up. Well, that's true. Uh, Both things are true. Welfare, uh, poverty has gone up. So, you know, in terms of the rights, you're obviously, obviously correct. But, you know, um, there, there are still some serious problems that, that need to be dealt with and not in the way that, that the left wants you to think of like, oh, we need more equity. We need more, you know, we need uh, reparations and things like that. Like, no, there's actual, you know, um, real issues that need to be solved and that can't happen through the government. It's got to happen through culture and through community and things like that. And I, I'd be curious to see what MLK would say about that stuff, you know, because I, I think one of the good things about him was he was, he was a leader in the community. You know, he was a positive force and I would hope that he would be encouraging people to take responsibility for their own lives and and not depend on other people. You know, there are serious voices in the black community that are coming forward and saying, let's take a look at what's happened since LBJ's great society and the impact that the great society had on black families. And you talk about single-parent households and things like that. So there are serious voices out there that are taking a look at that. And, and that's really what needs to happen here, I think, to move forward. And that would that would uh, take care of things like poverty. It would take care of crime. Yeah. You know, how many households don't have a father in the household? Makes yeah. a big difference. I mean, not having a father, uh, especially for young men, is basically the, the number one um, – precursor the number one predictor for higher rates of um, incarceration of drug abuse of uh, poverty of you know uh, all kinds of all kinds of bad things that you don't want it's tough for mom to do both jobs yeah yeah absolutely moms are nourishing you know they're uh, there to help you I don't know feel good about yourself or whatever and a father much like in in the animal kingdom um, is basically there to give you the look of I could easily kill you. (laughs) Not kidding about that before that gets flagged by anybody. But, you know, they say that tigers eat their young, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and having raised four boys myself, I mean, there comes a point in time when you got to put a foot in somebody's ass. Right. And And you have a lot of experience with that, too. You know, so that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the results have been down line, but yeah, they're all employed. Um, they're you know giving back to society and all that. So I guess I did okay. But I'm just saying that it's tough for a mom to do both jobs. Yeah. Well, you yeah. I mean, a, a mom is not a, a, a male, you know, and you need you need male influence and male guidance in your life for for either sex. You know, if you have a daughter or a son, but especially for a son, you know, yeah. because um, a son is going to have that that chaotic energy, you know, going through puberty and things like that. And if that's left unchecked, then it's going to be the, whatever the community is, you know, if you're in a bad neighborhood, uh, hanging with bad people, then those are going to be the, the male influences in your life. And it's just going to lead to, you know, repeating the same thing. 
Of course, you wandered into an area that I didn't plan on talking about where you said a man is a man and a woman is a woman, but, you know, that raises all kinds of right. concerns. We're not allowed to say that either. Yeah, we're not allowed <laughs> to say that either. But what Martin Luther King Jr. did say was that content of character mattered more than color of skin, and we know that the Democrats today lead with color of skin. Right. It's, it's why it's the number one play in their very small playbook. In fact, today, this is from the POTUS Twitter account. Jim Crow 2.0. So he's still calling the election reform laws, <laughs> right. which we have talked about I don't know how many times. Our audience is probably sick of hearing it. But basically it was emergency procedures put in place in certain states because of COVID. Right. And now they want to codify those changes, those emergency changes that went into place. Um, and they're trying to do it at the federal level, which is unconstitutional. But this is quoting President Biden on Twitter. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. It's about making it harder to vote, who gets to count the vote, and whether your vote counts at all. We have to pass the Freedom to Vote Act and John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Oh, it's just it's just disgusting. It's disgusting behavior. Yeah, Zarda sent that to us, and I saw your eye roll emoticon, so I gave it two eye rolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you upped me by one eye roll, but yeah, it's just it's just insane, man. It, it, and it's sad that people are I don't want to say stupid enough, but naive enough to to believe that you know to to fall into this narrative that this is Jim Crow 2.0, and you know you're either on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis. And, and all of this stuff is just, it's not only terrible, destructive, and divisive rhetoric, but it's just BS. It's just low IQ BS. And, you know, I really hope that people start waking up and seeing what's, you know, the tactics that are being used on them. Well, let me give you another eye roll because uh, James Clyburn, who was the, he is the uh, majority whip in the House of Representatives from South Carolina, uh, he gets a lot of the credit for the fact that we have Joe Biden as president right now because in the South Carolina primary, he's the one who stepped in and said, Joe Biden is our guy. Right, right. So Joe Biden owes a lot to him. Uh, but when he was asked about it, he said, it's all about you can't get a drink of water when you're in line at the polling place. You can't get a drink of water. See, you just gave me another eye roll. It's insane, man. Yeah, I mean, you can drink water. You can drink water when you're the voting. The purpose of tightening that <laughs> rule or that law on the state level, and again, that's where state, because politics is best practice closest to the problem, uh, is because they did not want political parties of either side rolling up with complimentary water with labels on it. Right. Hey, you know, courtesy of the Democrat Party, here, have a nice cold drink. And that's been the case for decades. It's oh been the God. case for so long. And like... All you have to do, it you don't even have to research these things. Like that's the thing. It's it's to such a degree of clown world uh, ridiculousness. You don't even have to look it up. You just have to sit down and think about it for yeah. like ten seconds. Just sit down and think: Are there people like starving in polling lines? Are there people that just are are falling over from dehydration because they're not allowed to drink water? Is that what's really happening? And you just think about it, and you're like, no, that's not what's happening. This is bullshit. If and it's a it, hot day and you're going to be in line for a while, bring your own damn water. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing that says you can't bring your own bottled water. Right. And it's also just within a certain distance yeah. from the polling like place. Missouri, for instance, um, 
they, they draw a chalk line on election day. I think it's 25 feet from the door. And you can't do any electioneering right. 25 feet from the door. Okay, so candidates who are running stand on the other side of that chalk line. Right. And, you know, they'll be in campaign T-shirts. Hey, thanks for supporting, yada, yada. Right. And maybe they'll hand you something. You don't have to take it or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's outside that chalk line. That's all this is. Yet that's what they've made the central element of this thing. Yeah, they they will take any tiny little thing and just hyper focus on it to to push the narrative of you know uh, Jim Crow two point or whatever. I think they want to call I it. said this on an earlier podcast. They all tend to run together because a lot we're overlapping. It's almost like when you're mowing a, a yard. You know, you <laughs> you, you do like that. half of that, and then you come back and you come over it again. Right. I think we're doing a lot of that. But um, as a joke, when I was doing the morning show in Evansville, Indiana. I ran for mayor. Mm. I mean, I wasn't into politics then like I was in Missouri, um, but it was kind of a joke. And we, we spent some money and we bought some pencils, right? It was like Dale Carter, 105 WYNG, that was the radio station, write it in, okay? And so when I went to vote, I had this pencil with me, and they read me the riot act. You can't bring anything in that mentions a candidate. I'm not even a candidate. It was a joke. Did you ever figure out how many write-ins you got? I got nine. <laughs> I, I know on. that because uh, <laughs> Betty Knight Smith was the uh, county clerk, and they weren't going to have any other write-ins in that election, and she was so pissed that I was doing this on the air that she sent me an arrest warrant <laughs> at the radio station and said I would be handcuffed to where they're counting the votes to make sure I had to do this to find out you know, how many write-ins I would get. I got nine. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I got nine that votes. That was worth it. I got a lot more than that when I ran in Blue Springs. <laughs> worth it for those nine votes. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's a crazy world, and, and it's getting crazier. But it, it, federalizing voting rights, it's all about the water, and Biden doubles down again with Jim Crow 2.0. And the, the circular firing squad is alive and well. And you talk about play number one. They are going after Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten, is, is yeah. It Kirsten? With play number one. I mean, she's she's a racist. She made what I thought was a very impassioned speech on the floor of the Senate. Did you see any of that? I did not. Yeah. Um, she talked about, we live in a 50-50 Senate. Okay? Right. It's a 50-50 Senate. Very small majority in the House of Representatives. And the worst thing that we could possibly do is jam this thing through. Because she's looking down the road. Because everybody sees what's going to happen in November. It's going to be a red wave the other way. And it's like the Democrats can't see three jumps down the road. Or maybe they don't care. That could be yeah. it. Well, as as we talked about last week, I, I think they're playing the long game. I think that with getting rid of the filibuster and instituting or, or uh, permanently instituting these loosening of the election laws, that's kind of a a one-two punch that that they're hoping will guarantee them electoral victory and a majority in the federal government for for the long term. Because if you have more uh, people coming in to vote, more illegals and things like that, and you have a loosening up the laws, it's going to uh, benefit Democrats, you know, especially in urban cities where you can just go and you can just go to an apartment building and collect, you know, 2,000 ballots and if it doesn't matter, you know, if there's signatures on it or it doesn't matter if it's verified and things like that, then you just shove them into a, a, a ballot box and and there you go. You know, so I think that that's probably the plan. It It is naive because, you know, if it, if it doesn't go through and they get rid of the filibuster, then the Republicans can come in and do the same thing back. But 
I don't really think they're con- too concerned about that. Well, which happened with um, federal judges, Harry Reid, basically there was a clog. They couldn't get justices confirmed. And so he pulled what's called the nuclear option for judges. Right. And it came back to bite him in the ass because Mitch McConnell did the same thing for Supreme Court justices. Right. Okay. So McConnell is begging them, do not do this. Right. And Trump, you know, when he was president, he leaned on McConnell to get rid of the filibuster. And McConnell, trying to keep the Senate what the Senate is, it's a unique body in the world uh, with the filibuster. They kept it in place despite pressure coming from Donald Trump. And he's asking Schumer, don't do this. Because if you do this, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass when the Republicans have control. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, if if uh, people like Cinema or um, Joe Manchin, you know, if they if they are actually opposed to, and again, I didn't listen. They're going to vote for it. They're going to vote for the for these bills. So they're going to vote for the bill. They're just not for eliminating the filibuster, right? Okay. Well, so what you're going to have out of this, and they held off the vote because they need all fifty. Right? right. Plus Kamala Harris. Right. And I guess uh, one of the senators from Hawaii has COVID or had COVID, and so they weren't gonna they they weren't gonna have all fifty members there. So it's quite the game here. Right. You have to have all fifty of your members there because you know that the other fifty aren't gonna vote for it. Right. And then you've got to invoke cloture, which takes sixty votes, and Cinema and Mansion have said they're not gonna do that. Yeah. And it's it's sad. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that again, you know, I think uh as I've mentioned previously, Republicans or conservatives, you know, we hear this stuff about Joe Manchin um, shooting down some of these bills or, or Kristen Sin- Kirsten Sinema uh, speaking out against the filibuster. I mean, they're still voting for the for the legislation. So I just think but they're should... not going to take down the institution of the Senate. Right. Which I think is important. Right. And it's going to be important when the Republicans take charge next. And, you know, they're going to because things are such a disaster right now. Um that the Republicans really have to take. I mean, typically uh, the incumbent party in the first midterm will lose 25 seats in the House, and that's in a good year. Right. Think about the disaster that we're living through now. And I got into a debate, I don't know if you followed it, on the Facebook page with my friend Mark Westcott, who I love dearly. He's, He's a dear, dear friend of mine, but he's very liberal. And so you'll see his name show up on the on the Facebook page once in a while. It's interesting. We were debating hotly on Facebook, and we were texting not so hotly back and forth, mm. right? But he doesn't understand how I can blame Joe Biden for gas prices. Mm-hmm. It's nothing Joe Biden's done. You know, that's what they want to do. They want to get in there and screw everything up completely and then say, what, me? Right. What? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Okay, well, let's start from the, okay, with gas prices. I'm off on a tangent here. Let's start with gas prices. First, you have to know that they don't believe in fossil fuels. Right. If they could wave their magic wand, we wouldn't have any fossil fuels. Barack Obama's stated goal was to make it so expensive to use fossil fuels that we'd be forced into wind and solar. Yeah. And policy-wise, what have they done? They, they've incentivized companies to spend all of their R&D numbers, research and development, in wind and solar. So what have they done for what they're currently using, the coal-fired furnaces and all that? They've taken money that they would have used to upgrade those devices, mm-hmm. and they've moved it into this fantasy world of wind and solar. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were an adult about this, you would go out and say, look, fossil fuels – 
number one, it's finite. It's not infinite. So we ought to be looking at other opportunities out there. But let's have an all-in policy. This is what's working now. Let's research this for the future. But let's not take money out of this and put it all the way over here into something that's not sustainable. Right. That's the Don't you think that's the grown-up way to look at this? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think there's going to be new technology with all these things. And, and that includes uh, coal and natural gas and everything. You have carbon capture. You have um, cleaner burning methods of, fracking. of coal and fracking and all these things. Yeah, so... It's it's a work in progress uh, across the board, but yeah, we we definitely can't just get rid of fossil fuels. That's why it hurts my head, you know, when I see him going in there and, and he's making all these changes, he's doing all these things. And, and I mentioned Keystone Pipeline. Westcott goes, "Well, that wasn't even built yet. How can that be affecting prices?" You know, it's 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 just the overall theme to the people who work in that industry. It's like you know, we don't like you. Yeah, we don't want you, and they and they don't like him either. I mean, he, that that would be a good a good metric is ask you know people that work in the energy sector about how they feel about Joe Biden's policies. Yeah. I'm sure that they would not be very kind to kind to them. What's going right? Is anything going right? I mean, I don't know. Other than the clock ticking toward the midterms, is anything yeah. going right? <laughs> Other than you counting the days, <laughs> I am kind. I don't have the count with me today, uh, but I know it's less than three hundred, and we're chugging our way toward the midterm. And as we get into February and especially March, uh, what will happen? Because it's an election year, you got a lot of Democrats in purple districts, or red leaning districts, or yep. districts that voted for Donald Trump that aren't going to do anything. And think about how slim their majority is in the House. I think it's five seats. Yeah. Nothing Tiny. will get done. Tiny. And from my perspective, when nothing gets done, I'm pretty happy. Oh, yeah. Let this economy grow. Let the private sector do what the private sector does. Stop putting your thumb on the scale. Yep. Totally agree. Gridlock is is, uh, is a great friend. All right. Well, let me leave you with this. Are we done for today? Because I, I do have something I want to I want to leave. Whatever you want, man. Okay. Well, yeah. I know. Um, it may or may not matter because there's a giant asteroid that's going to speed by Earth. In fact, it's going to be this afternoon. I'm not sure when you're going to get this out and available to the public, but it may not matter because there's an asteroid going by that is the size of the Empire State Building. We talked about this last week. Did we really? Yeah. Well, today is the day. <laughs> today is the day. And it's I know the that I, truth. I know that my kicker story last week was about uh, whatever drink we were going to sell yes. because Troy Aikman's selling his. Uh, so today is the day. Um, it's been on the radar since 1994, bigger than the Empire State Building. Uh, it's about a kilometer wide. And to put that in perspective, the one that hit the Earth that killed all the dinosaurs, they think was like 10 kilometers wide. Right. So it's only one. It's that would still cause a size. lot of damage. Though. It would cause some damage, but it's going to go by at like 1 million miles. Did, we did track this. We did track because it, Because the yeah. moon's like 200,000? 280,000 or something like that. Yeah. All right, fine. We'll be fine. So you're going to be safe. Everything's fine. It's not the end of the world as we know it. It's only the end of the world as we know it if Joe Biden keeps doing what Joe Biden does. <laughs> only if they get rid of the filibuster. <laughs> All right, we're going to be tracking that. We'll come back with lots more next week. Until then, be safe. This is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalec at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.